A reading from Today is Going to Be a Good Day by neuropsychologist and author Dr. Michelle Bankston. I remember the day I pressed post on my first Today is Going to Be a Good Day social media post. I was home alone on a five month medically induced bed rest, unable to serve my patients or to be much of a wife or mother. Kept alive on IV hydration and nutrition, I had dwindled from 113 pounds to a skeletal 74 pounds. I had recently undergone one surgery and had another scheduled for the next day. My circumstances depressed me terribly and left me unsure I wanted to continue life in this manner. Spending too much time alone with your thoughts can cause a downward spiral into a pit so deep you can't escape alone. I thought I was joy immune. I knew I needed a reason to keep fighting and a way to positively impact my outlook on life. Then a friend texted me, Psalm 30, verse 5, which says, For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. I had read that verse at least a hundred times, but this time I sensed in my spirit that God was saying, If I promise that my joy comes in the morning, then it is impossible for you to be joy immune. When you fully believe my promises, you will have that joy you've been wanting despite how you feel, and despite your circumstances. God has never broken a promise. We can count on his promises coming true in our lives. Standing on any of his promises gives us a reason why today, or any day, despite our circumstances, is a good day for a good day. That first today is going to be a good day post was a simple thought. Today is going to be a good day because God has promised his joy will come in the morning. Apparently, others were struggling as well because that post seemed to resonate with many of my readers. A few weeks later, my circumstances had not changed dramatically, but my desire to get back to a normal life had heightened significantly. I was tired of the four walls that surrounded my sickbed, I longed for glimmers of hope in what felt like a hopeless situation, and I needed motivation to keep fighting. I found another reason to believe that day could be considered good, even though my circumstances were not. Philippians 4.19 tells us, But my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The positive responses I received to that second good day post surprised me. Clearly, others needed the encouragement too. A couple weeks later, I posted a third, then a fourth a few weeks after that. I can't tell you exactly when the change occurred, but over time, I realized I needed to be intentional about deciding my outlook and choosing to appreciate each day. 
Heartlifter, I am so excited to bring back to you Dr. Michelle Bankston, who we heard from in Season 7, Episode 8, Unhurried Releases Anxiety's Grip. And in this two-part series, Michelle and I are going to enter into a two-part conversation about what it really means to wake up with a strategic, intentional, passionate purpose in mind that today is going to be a good day. And we're combining forces. So I'm actually calling this two-part series, Every Day is Going to Be a Good Day. Combining Stronger Every Day, my book and work with Michelle's. And we are inviting you to participate in this challenge that's going to start on January 1st and end on January 8th, so seven days, where we are both combining our forces together to bring to you materials, resources, videos, and uh, thoughts and encouragement throughout that entire seven days. So you will have your very own guide that you can download either on my site or Michelle's, and you're going to um, visit us on our Facebook pages, our Instagram pages, and we are going to be giving away lots of freebies and goodies and start off 2023 with a real concerted effort. Michelle and I want to collaborate. We want to come together because we both believe we truly are stronger when we are serving together. And so I invite you to save the dates, January 1st through January 8th, and stay tuned for more information that'll be coming on Michelle's site, my site, and I'll give you all of that information. Be sure of that in the show notes. I also wanted to share with you, because you know, we're real here, and I always try to be as authentic as possible, and as authentic as I am permitted to be by others in my life, actually. And so while I was busy prepping for this seven-day challenge that we're going to be putting together, that is being put together and being offered to you the very beginning of January, well, all that work has to be done now. So while I was revising and editing seven videos that we have prepared for you, all focusing on today is going to be a good day. Well, I had a few really bad days (laughs) and some really hard, hard, hard life experiences happened. One, that I lost a client, a 19-year-old, beautiful, beautiful young man, and it was a devastating experience for me. I've, I've never lost a client. I've never had a client uh, pass away. And it was a tragic experience. And then shortly thereafter, just maybe five, six days later, uh, we heard the news of one of our, our media figures. Uh, he goes by the name of Twitch, but his name is Steven, Steven Boss. And he take, took his own life as well. And I was going in to see the Nutcracker in New York City with my beloved Brooke. And she said, Mom, I have some really, really bad news before we go in to see this uh, beautiful thing. I didn't think you'd want to wait. And she told me and I just it, it sucker punched me again. I felt like I was just starting to, you know, kind of be able to manage the day without a feeling of sickness in my stomach. You know, that anxiety pit that hyper-vigilant anxiety that takes over your body when you find out some tragic news. 
And then it all came running back. And I kept telling myself, you know, I teach wholeheartedly that we will always be holding joy and sorrow together. In one hand, we have joy. In one hand, we have sorrow because there is so much sorrow in the day-to-day and because we can see it on social media 24-7. So there's no waiting around for it. It's immediate. And for an empath like myself, a highly sensitive human being, I have found myself having a harder time managing that seeming gift that I have been given by God to be an empath and to be highly intuitive so that I can actually help others. But this past, I guess, two weeks has been rough. And so this project, this challenge that Michelle and I are bringing to you is right on time for me personally as well. And you know our bodies keep the score. I have gotten several infections and fatigue and illness and it's just been hard to kind of show up. So with that in mind, I bet you know, (laughs) you know either someone in your life who is struggling or you yourself are struggling. And here we are right at the Christmas season. And Christmas, yes, as beautiful and as magical as it can be, it can also be a time and a source of great sorrow for so many of us. So I invite you into this conversation with Michelle and I today, holding perhaps joy in one hand and sorrow in the other, and somehow helping them integrate into a manageable way for you to live this life. Now I want to read before we enter that conversation from one of my favorites, David White, uh, Irish poet, from Constellations, the solace, nourishment, and underlying meaning of everyday words. And he writes about joy. Joy is a meeting place of deep intentionality and of self-forgetting. The bodily alchemy of what lies inside us in communion with what formerly seemed outside, but is now neither, but becoming a living frontier, a voice speaking between us and the world. Dance, laughter, affection, skin touching skin, singing in the car, music in the kitchen, the quiet, irreplaceable, and companionable presence of a daughter. The sheer intoxicating beauty of the world inhabited as an edge between what we previously thought was us and what we thought was radically other than us. Joy may be hard won. I'm going to read that again. Because that is really what we're talking about. And there is no one like a poet to find the right, concise words for something. Joy may be hard won. Yeah. Practiced achievement. As much as by an unlooked-for passing act of grace. Arrived out of nowhere. Joy, to our consternation, is a measure of our relationship to death and our living with death. Joy is the act of giving ourselves away, 
before we need to or are asked to. Joy is practiced generosity. If joy is a deep form of abiding love, it is also the raw engagement with the passing seasonality of existence, the fleeting presence of those we love understood as gift. What is and will never be again going in and out of our lives? Faces, voices, memory, aromas of the first spring day, or a wood fire in winter. The last breath of a dying parent stored in the memory as they create a rare, raw, beautiful frontier between loving presence and blossoming absence. Sometimes the story we tell ourselves is not really true. Sometimes the story others tell about us is not really true. Here on today's Heart Lift with Janelle, we are going to learn how to rewrite our story. So pick up your favorite pen and journal, grab a cup of something delicious, and start your heart-lifting journey towards living a meaningful life. Hello and welcome to today's Heart Lift with Janelle. I am laughing because we have back with us one of our favorites, Dr. Michelle Bankston. Welcome back, Michelle. Oh, I'm always glad to be with you, Janelle. We're going to have a great conversation today. We're already laughing. My air conditioning is broke. <laughs> I can't get up the stairs because of my hip. We're just, we're, oh my goodness. We are talking today about your brand new book. Today, is going to be a good day. I think it says today is going to be a good day, but it's going to be a good day. <laughs> 90 promises you give us. Okay. Before I dive in, I, I have already shared with my guests that God redefined the word good to me on a very bleak day on a nor'easter day after Christmas, 2012, this word good, it's such a precarious little thing. So tell us, Michelle, I don't want to waste any time here. Just dig right in. Tell us where, why, when, and how you decided, I think I'm going to write a book called Today's Going to Be a Good Day. Oh, well, Janelle, that never would have been my idea. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we're just going to be open and honest. We are always raw here. Yes. Just being transparent, I've always struggled to be positive. I was raised in a very depressive home with a mother who was severely depressed the entire time I lived at home. And so I always had the negative input. Then you throw on top of that, the pressure to perform as the oldest child. And I lost my father when I was very young. And Wow. We don't know this about you yet. We haven't gone down these roads before. No, I don't think we have ever talked Mm -hmm. about it. My father died when I was very young. And then my mother, being from another country, remarried fast. And and honestly, I think it was out of fear. Mm-hmm. How was I going to raise these kids all by myself in a foreign country? And um, where were you at that time? I was in Michigan. Okay. And she remarried, and I asked what her nationality was. I don't think we know. She that. was from New Zealand. Really, I did not know. This. Yeah, I she was a Kiwi, so I am part Kiwi. My, how about that? Okay, I can see it. 
And so then when she remarried, I had to be uprooted from my home and my friends and start over in a new high school. And, you know, starting in a new high school is hard. They've all, everybody already has their cliques formed. And, and then I started college and they uprooted me again. No. So twice that happened. So I've always kind of like, I have to fight to hold on to the positive. Mm, Thank you for being so honest. Well, I I want your listeners to know that, you know, I'm not just one of those bubbly, happy people that it just comes naturally and, and I don't have to fight for it. But I know you in community. So when I've been, uh, well, yeah, yeah, online, I haven't met you in face-to-face yet. Right. Well, we will. But even in an online community, I know you and, and you obviously present as if you do have joy and a a very positive person because we, we know how to do that. We do. We know how to do that. Not insincere. No, it is not. Mm -mm. It is literally a choice I have to make. Yeah. Either I can focus on my feelings or focus on my circumstances, or I can focus on the fact that God is still faithful and God is true to his promises and whatever the day holds, he's going to get me through. Yeah. But that has become a conscious choice over the last decade. Right. So you have these two major transitions in your life in high school and college. Where and how did, I guess, just this whole, I know we're talking about this book project for sure in the book that's out, but in your journey towards fighting off, you know, the oppressive, depressive, negative uh, atmosphere that you breathed in growing up. And and that's real. And many people I know have experienced breathing that kind of atmosphere. How did your journey progress even before this book title? Like, how did it progress in just, okay, I've got to make a choice to not be like that? Well, it's interesting because it, it was about a decade ago and God had tasked me with writing a book about depression. Right. And I had editors and agents asking for it um, from a writer's conference I'd been to. So I came home and two weeks later, I dug in and I was going to write this book and help not just my patients, but people who couldn't come into my private practice with depression. And about three days after I started writing it, I was at the private practice and I was seeing patients and I doubled over in pain. Oh, goodness. And I thought, this is this is unusual. Like uh, something is wrong. So I got my patient to an ending point and took them up to the front office where my staff could take them and help them. And then I made my way back to my office. And about as about the time I passed our back door, my husband walked in, which was very unusual. Hmm. And he looked at me, he said, you don't look good. And I said, I'm, I'm not good. There's something wrong. I think we need to go to the hospital. Or at first I thought we just need to go home. And on our way home, I was like, this is getting worse. We need to go to the hospital. Yes. So well, remember you are a doctor. <laughs> yes. Yes. And we don't always make the best patients, <laughs> but that time I knew something is really not right. So long story short, what, what transpired then was two emergency surgeries. And then I was put on medically induced bed rest 
which uh, up, we thought it was just going to be a couple of weeks. It ended up being five months. Lord have mercy. And you're a practicing doctor at this point. Yes. Oh, yes. And the longer that lasted, the worse I got. I went from 113 pounds down to a skeletal 74, which is so tiny. 30 pounds lighter than I sit before you today. Mm-hmm. I was kept alive on IV hydration and nutrition. And really, Janelle, all I could do was stay in our guest bedroom, Gosh. sleep, listen to praise and worship music, watch sermons online and pray. Mm-hmm. I, I could not do any of the things I wasn't much of a wife or a mother. I couldn't be the doctor. Sure. It's interesting because my identity back then was really wrapped up in what I did. I am certain. I uh, 99.9% of us still could say we're there if yeah. we're honest. Yeah. And and that really came to a head. This whole getting sick was was such I don't think God caused it for a moment, but he definitely used it. The part of the story that your audience may not know is that a couple of years before that, my husband was diagnosed with cancer. And when my father died and my mother was from another country, I jumped in to help take care of the family. So I was cleaning houses, mowing lawns and babysitting as much as I could to make as much money as I could at 15 years old. Wow, Michelle. She couldn't work in our country. So when my husband was diagnosed with cancer and then he was laid off when there was a reduction in force, I just did what I always did. I just jumped in and did more. So at that time, when I became so ill at the private practice, I was literally working 100 hours a week and had been over a year. So I would work at the private practice until midnight or so. I'd come home, I'd take a quick shower, I'd take a nap for an hour or two, and I would often be back at the practice by 3 a.m. every single day except Sundays. Wow. Well, and that was finally, all you right. Your body cannot handle that kind of stress. No, it and if you boring. don't take care of your body, mm-hmm. it will force you to. It will. It, it, it's that good old two by four. It really was. Mm -hmm. And so during that time I was convalescing, the longer I was in that sick bed, interesting, the more depressed I got. And here I was supposed to write a book on depression. Oh, this has been your, your mojo. It it really is. I I, I know we know enough of your story to know that. And we were laughing beforehand because, you know, I just had this total hip replacement. You're like, how are you doing? I'm like, well, you know, it's, conveniently I'm getting stronger every day, you know, and it's like, dang, these book titles, dang, these, book I know, I know right? we really have to think about them before we say, I know right? yeah, my kids are always like, write a book on joy. I'm like, do you know how joy comes? That's exactly <laughs> right. That's what everyone tells me. Your next book should be on joy. I'm like, I know the fire you have to walk through. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's think this through. So all of you, I know there are so many of you in our community who, who aspire to write your books and, and we're just giving you the raw stuff today, right? Yeah. So you got to be willing. So here you are, here you are in this medically in, induced bed rest. I've been on a three month one with prior to twins, but I didn't, I didn't go down to wait. I like ballooned in my weight. But anytime that you are incapacitated like that, especially if you are a, a child and you have shared that part of your story, that firstborn that has been, you know, okay, come on, buck up. You got this. So there you yeah. are. All of a sudden, 
this depression falls on you. Mm-hmm. Now that I look back, mm. I am grateful that I went through that. Yeah, I know. I know. But I, know. I don't ever want to go through it again. <laughs> I know. But I know you would. I would. Because let me tell you, that first book that came out, Hope Prevails, Insights yeah. from a Doctor's Personal Journey Through Depression, is a much different book than it would have had I not gone through the fire myself. Yeah. And, and now readers know, oh, she gets it because she's yeah. been there. That's right. But during that time, friends often offered what I call Bible verse band-aids. Yeah. They didn't know how to help. I know. And I know that because they'd not walk through it. But too often I got these band-aids slapped on it. Well, God works all things together for good. Yep. Eventually. I've been guilty of that. Mm-hmm. He does. But the night before my second surgery, a very dear friend called and I knew her heart. And she said, Michelle, I know you know this already, mm-hmm. but I just feel impressed to remind you that although weeping may last for the night, mm-hmm. his joy will come in the morning. Do you know, I had read that verse hundreds of times. In verse five. <laughs> I know it's so but well. It, it, It was what I needed so desperately to hold on to. And I had prayed. I'm like, Lord, if this is going to be my life, I'm not sure I want to keep living. You've got to give me something to hold on to. Yeah. Okay. And he gave me that verse. And I wrote my very first social media good day post. Very sweet and simple. Today is going to be a good day because God's joy comes in the morning. I mean, That's it. I didn't even give the scripture reference. But what I noticed is that other people needed that too. Oh, without a doubt. Like a couple of weeks later, I needed something else to hold on to. And so he reminded me that his mercies are new every morning. So that was my second good day post. Today's going to be a good day because God's mercies are new every morning. Well, I don't know how long it took, but, but over time, This began what has now been a six-year history of daily posting a today is going to be a good day because. Six years. Wow. Post on Facebook and Instagram. Okay. And so then it was my- that right now while we're talking about it. Drop your handle. Like what is, how do we find you on Instagram? Um, I don't want to pass it. Dr. Michelle Bankson, but it's B-E-N-G-T-S-O-N. Correct. Okay. And I'll put it out there again, but- I just want someone right now to don't get distracted though. <laughs> Stay with us. <laughs> so that was not anything I planned on, but yeah. people were resonating with it. And I realized that what helped me go from this horribly physically ill and depressed state hmm. to a place where I'm now able to help other people was it was God's word. Those verses that he gave me, I wrote them on post-it notes and I posted them everywhere. They were on my IV pool and my light switch and my dashboard and my bathroom mirror. By the time it was all said and done, a whole wall in that guest room was plastered with visual reminders of God's word. But what I did was I didn't just write them and put them there. Mm -hmm. Every time I saw them, then I repeated them out loud three times because scripture says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So to build my faith, Mm -hmm. I had to be in the word and hearing his word. 
just so good. I just want to shout because it it's it can be it can be um what's the word interpreted as so trite in a sense, you know, that's like I I did that. This is how I before I knew anything. I am 62 when I was 28 and had a miscarriage and was going through all kinds of stuff. I did exactly that. I was a baby Christian at that time. I'd only been walking with Jesus about seven years, but man, post-its, man, that's, that's all I knew. We didn't have internet. We didn't have all these things, you know, and I just took the word and I put the promises. I just put them everywhere. There's still, we have two our, in our, our, our family business, excuse me. Uh, there are couples still left in that, that are so faded, you know, that I put the promises about prosperity and business and all of those things. And I didn't know anything. You, you know, you don't really know the power. And right. I just want to reiterate that, that you're, what you're telling us is power. It's it a is. hidden power that we, we don't take it to heart. Now, this is something I think that uh, we would call maybe new age movement or, you know, when you get into manifestation, when you get into, I'm going to speak it into the universe. I've heard that spoken so many times, I just heard it spoken on a Hallmark movie this past weekend. You know, speak it out into the universe. You know, we as believers in Christ are the ones that Jesus taught to do that to before anything. He says, You will manifest these things, you will manifest my glory. So, what you're telling us to do is to take it at its value. Yes. Right? I mean, I'm not speaking out that I'm going to get a new. Mercedes. No. I'm reminding God of the promises he had written in his book Mm -hmm. for us. And here's the funny thing is before I got so ill, I remember being at a Christian women's conference with a a very well-known speaker and she seemed so joyful and scripture just rolled off her tongue. And I remember sitting there all by myself alone feeling insecure and thinking, God, I want what she has. Mm. But immediately after I said that, I heard the lie of the enemy. That's too hard. Ah, there you go. That's what I, thank you. That's, yes. And it's not hard, but it does require intentionality. So during that time when I was convalescing and I'm reciting the scripture, can I tell you? Now they do roll off my tongue and I do believe them and I do stand on them. Mm-hmm. But the enemy did not want me spending time in God's word and learning what he said. Yeah, there you go. That's it. And you and you just nailed it with intentionality and strategy, like strategic. When I was just reading a brilliant interpretation of the three temptations of Jesus in the desert, you know. I read a lot, so I can't give the quote. I can't just tell you where it was from at this moment. But the interpretation was, what did he do? The enemy spoke this. I'll give you all this. Ah. And what did he do? He came right back with a word. With it a is written. It is written. It is written. So everyone, heartlifters, I'm telling you, this is your challenge. I think it's going to evolve into a challenge today. I was telling Michelle before we got started, I... I don't know. I may have to take this today's a good day challenge and turn it in and ask our community to do it and just come alongside you because I think it's so powerful. Today's a good day. Is it? Yes, it is because, (laughs) you know, but it takes 
it does take discipline. It does. It really does. And, you know, we were talking about how sometimes God makes us revisit the messages that we've written for other people. Mm -hmm. So right as this book was coming out. And it's so cute. It's so cute. Hold it up again. It's so cute. It's so cute. It's a pocketbook. I know. I'm going to have to get copies and give them away because it's, it's in a purse, a backpack, yeah. a glove compartment, or your office yeah. desk drawer. Yeah. I have it on my and Kindle right now, but I have to hold it. Hardcover. So it, you know, it'll take under your purse. Anyway, as, as this book was releasing, my husband and I went back to Texas, which is where we've spent 23 years before moving to where we are now. And while I was there, I got those words again that nobody wants to get. And that is, I'm sorry to tell you, but your cancer has returned. <sighs> and I, I was talking to a friend. This was just in March. And I was, no, May. I was talking to a friend and I said, but you know what? It's a good day anyway. Ooh, it's a good day, feel. regardless of how I feel. It's a good day, regardless of the doctor's report, regardless of our circumstances. So I had to start reading this book mm -hmm. as a reader, mm -hmm. not as the author, mm -hmm. because I need to remind myself, no, it's still a good day because of the promises God has given us. Mm -hmm. There's one of my favorite ones in there is God is still our healer today. <laughs> what I think is so important, Janelle, for people to realize is that too often we pay attention to facts mm -hmm. where instead we need to focus on God's truth. Mm -hmm. The fact is I was given another cancer diagnosis, but the truth is God still heals today. Yeah, the fact sure. may be you're not ago. sure if you have enough money in your bank account to last the month. But the truth is, God not only owns the cattle on a thousand hills, but he owns all the hills and he promises to be your provider. So there's a difference between the facts and his overriding truth. And that's why this book focuses on his promises. Yeah. And you just got that news just a few months ago. And here you are sitting with us today. And then had three back-to-back -back surgeries. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then got the report that one of the surgeries didn't get all the cancer. Yeah, I know. So, uh, that's why I want to be raw and real for your audience because I don't want them no. to think, oh, this is all pie in the sky. No, I am. I'm having to live it out. Yeah. It is a choice to decide, okay, mm -hmm. I may not be feeling great today. Mm -hmm. And God is still good. God is still yeah. faithful. God is still trustworthy. That's yeah. where my focus has to be. Yeah. So I think that uh, what I'm hearing you say is it's a choice, but underneath the choice, it is discipline because we know you are a neuroscientist, right? You, you understand the workings of the brain and you understand that our brain has a negativity bias. Sure so does. We are super fast to choose the negative, believe the negative because, you know, you know, that's a fact. That's a fact that our brain has this negativity bias. And then we have an enemy who just, you know, yep. I know they have this bias. So let me just put it on fire. Yep. 
so that they hear that. And then I believe the way that I see it in my work is that gets into a fixed mindset. So it becomes a mindset problem. Yeah. Is that true? Am I, am I right? It, It absolutely is. So you're laying in the sick bed or you're receiving this news again, just so hot off the press recently. And I'm wondering, I, I would gather from myself, I used to go right to the negativity bias, like, okay, so this is going to be really bad. But because I have been intentional and strategic because of the help of your books that you've written and other uh, resources and work that I've done personally, I'm so quick to recognize it now. It's like, oh, there it is. Is that, is that helpful? Is that a helpful tool to go? Oh, 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 wait a minute. It, you know, I would almost suggest that your listeners put up post-it notes. Where's that thought coming from? Great. Love it. Yes. That constant, that's what it means in scripture when we're told to take every thought captive. Yep. Second Corinthians 10, five. Yes. And to renew our minds in accordance with Christ Jesus. So to take the thought captive, you've got to first stop and pay attention to what you're thinking. And that's where the end comes in. Because if we're busy or we're distracted, the thought comes in. If we don't take it captive, it just builds on that negative mindset we've already got going. But if we will stop and go, wait a minute, is that consistent with what God says? Mm -hmm. Or is that coming from the enemy of my soul? Mm -hmm. Father lies, father of truth. Right. So it comes with that in an increased intentionality to be highly aware. So I would, I would say like, I love that you have 90 days because I think that's such a, a brilliant uh, cycle for our memory complex and our, our thought cycles. And so it's like understanding right away that you just have to be aware. So on your sick bed, on your bed, you made a decision. You were like, okay, I got to do something here. Because I am going down, I'm going downhill. And that's when you just picked up a pen, you picked up a post-it, you opened the word and you started to make these strategic intentions and affirmations. I think it's such a beautiful affirmation. Today is a good day. Well, Heartlifters, there you have it. Part one. And I think you can guess why I have taken a pause here because I just want the words that Michelle has spoken to soak into your soul. And I want you to grab some post-its and a marker and your Bible. And I want you to start finding some promises that you can cling to so that when you wake up in the morning, you can go, today is going to be a good day because. Yes. And remember, mark your calendars for January 1st through January 8th for our Every Day is Going to Be a Good Day Challenge with Dr. Michelle and myself, and you will hear more about it and know where to go in the show notes. So I'm going to close today with the remainder of that beautiful short essay from Constellations, The Solace, Nourishment, and Underlying Meaning of Everyday Words by David White. Joy. To feel a full and untrammeled joy is to have become fully generous. To allow ourselves to be joyful is to have walked through the doorway of fear, the dropping away of the anxious, worried self, 
felt like a thankful death itself, a disappearance, a giving away, overheard in the laughter of friendship, the vulnerability of happiness, and the vulnerability of its imminent loss. Felt suddenly as a strength, a solace and a source, the claiming of our place in the living conversation, the sheer privilege of being in the presence of a mountain, a sky, or a well-loved familiar face. I was here, and you were here, and together we made a world. I was here, and you were here, and together we made a world. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and resources, please join the Stronger Everyday online community at JanelleRairdon.com. Always remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity.